Uh, good to be with you. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm David Ketty. Uh, happy December. And uh, we're, we're going to jump in this December, these three weeks that we have together, into uh, the book of Proverbs. We do a three-week series. These last times we're together in 2021. And uh, good riddance to 2021. <laughs> not yet, not yet. First, we're going to do Proverbs. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some Proverbs, and then I'm going to frame wisdom, and then I'm going to talk about friendship. So the, the Proverbs I'm reading are on the theme of friendship. You can follow along. Uh, so this is, your God's word, this is Proverbs 17. 17, a, a whole selection. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and the brother is born for adversity. 1824, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 196, many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. 2517, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have a spill of you and hate you. Verse 20, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Anyone done that experiment? 26, 18, and 19, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Yeah, that's me right here. <laughs> 27, 5, and 6, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Verse 9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Verse 14, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Yeah, that's your roommates. Verse 17, <laughs> iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You know, in the Hebrew, it's, one man sharpens another man's face. Okay, all right, get that image. You know, are you a face sharpener? Twenty-eight, twenty-three. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. And twenty-nine, verse five. Man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Let me, let me pray. Heavenly Father, bless these words, uh, these proverbs, um, this wisdom. Help us, Heavenly Father, to come to grapple with your wisdom, uh, biblical wisdom. And uh, may it uh, 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 be at work in our lives, that our, our lives may be walking on the paths that you have set. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so what is wisdom? Um, now, wisdom is not skill, right? It's, it's not mere technique. Um, Princeton can make you an incredibly well-educated person, tremendously skillful in many, many different fields. But we all know that doesn't guarantee wisdom, right? What percentage of your classmates would you count as wise? Um, maybe more, more provocatively, what percentage of the professors would we count as wise? And, and maybe more accurately, what percentage would the Bible count as wise? So what is wisdom? Let me just frame 
you know, doing great, great disservice to it. Frame wisdom, you know, the, uh, you know uh, the, tip, the scripture teaches us many things, right? right? It teaches us God's commands for our lives, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Some things which are very, very explicit. You know, sometimes people, people ask the question, like, what is God's will for my life? Uh, Micah 6.8, do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with your God, right? What has he called you to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Um, what's his will? His will is that you would walk that path laid out. In the Ten Commandments, God has all sorts of things to say about how we ought to live out our relationships, our economic relationships, our romantic sexual relationships, uh, how we treat our bodies, how we treat other people's bodies, um, what we uh, offer uh, uh, ourselves up to uh, in worship. The Bible has all sorts of things to say. But then you get uh, beyond that. Sorry, let me just, uh, my cup of water, John, could you grab that? I forgot that. Thanks, John. But there are all sorts of other things in life, right? When you come, you come ask, you ask the PCS staff person for advice, you, you usually not ask them, like, is it permissible for me to murder? <laughs> Never gotten that question. My dad, who's a retired pastor, he once got asked, do I really have to pay my taxes? <laughs> right? Give me an answer. Do you have to pay your taxes biblically? Yeah. Why? Why? Jesus says so. Jesus says so explicitly. Right, right. Usually, usually you're not giving questions that are that, like, softballs. Like, there is a verse in Scripture. I take that back, actually. People ask some things where you're like, no, actually, Scripture speaks very clearly on this. But there are all sorts of other issues in life that require wisdom. And so where does wisdom come from? Like, where would you find, where, how, how do you get wisdom? Well, there are whole books in the Old Testament that deal with wisdom. Uh, wisdom literature, we call it. Uh, a Job, of what happens when uh, you're in the abyss. That's the book of Job. Ecclesiastes, like, life in the face of the futility of life. Uh, how are we to live. Uh, Psalms is part of the wisdom literature, like learning to praise God, coming from lament to praise. Uh, in, in song, uh, song, prayer as a form of song. And the book of Proverbs is one of the most obviously uh, wisdom literature. It's just these nuggets um, of wisdom that are dropped on you. But underlying all of it, in all of wisdom literature, what is the beginning of wisdom? It is the fear of God. So that, that's a fundamental, you need to have that in your mind. Like, what is, what is Bible, where does the Bible say wisdom starts? It starts through the fear of God. What does that mean? To recognizing we are, exist in relationship to our Creator. He has made us, and He's in a covenant relationship with us. He made a treaty, a deal. Once, you know, one side that He's declared it, and He's going to uh, keep the promises true by His own strength. Uh, but he, we are in relationship with Him, and that drives everything else. Right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because as you know, you know, if, you, if you're an educated Princetonian, uh, uh, you know, your, your, your arguments are only as good as your axioms. What do, what, what do you start with? What do you presuppose? Uh, we need to understand on what foundation you build a wise life. That's, what, that's a, one of the ways in which a place like Princeton can teach you many things, even while not necessarily making you wise. Not necessarily making you want. Well, let's talk about friendship. We're going to talk these three weeks in December about different themes from Proverbs. And so tonight, I thought I'd touch on friendship. You know, what friendship? Like, does friendship matter? Um, you know, is that just sort of one of those gimmies in life? Our culture kind of treats it that way, actually. Like, when was the last time you heard a song that was about 
friendship. Right? Like what percentage of songs are about romantic love or sex? And what percentage are about friendship? But what percentage of movies? Like how many movies are about friendship? Can you name a movie that's about friendship? I love you, ma'am. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. There's one great, you know, I mean, there are others. There are others. Lord of the Rings, there's a great book that's about friendship, right? Frodo and Sam taking the ring to Mordor. Like, the whole book is about friendship. I mean, I think Tolkien wrote it because his friends died in World War I, you know? And so it's a meditation on friendship and struggle side by side. Like, how is friendship different from romance? Right? Like, romance is this very, like, longing face-to-face. And uh, this is, you know, Christine and I, my wife, uh, you know, when we were first dating, we were interning with PCF. We were on this hike with students, you know, and, um, and we were just talking to each other. And our fellow intern, you know, it was Christine's roommate at the time, she, like, rebuked us. <laughs> Rightly so. You know, it's like, you're not here. I mean, that was, Bill was not paying us to uh, talk to each other, so it was a nice side benefit. <laughs> you know, it's paid some good dividends for me. Right, but romance, is that, romance has that sort of, you're your face to face, and friendship is side to side, much more so. Side to side in life, uh, working together, going through life together, facing struggles together. But culturally, we, we are very focused on, on one hand, individualism, and on the other, romance. And friendship loses out, right? We're in, a, we're in a mobile culture. People are always moving. It's hard to make, it takes time to make friends. It takes effort to make friends. And then we move for our jobs, for our careers. You're gonna optimize your career. You gotta be mobile in most careers, in many careers, not all, but in most, you gotta be mobile. And so you move, and how do you, how do you maintain friendships? How do you keep friendships? And so we lose those friendships. And so friendship is very challenged for us culturally. But friendship is crucial in your time at Princeton. I want to say biblically, like you are, you are called to be a friend. And you are called to cultivate in your life. And you are equipped to cultivate and to have the gift of friendship. Having friends, making friends. Not just now while you're in college, Lord willing. Because there are special things about this time that enable friendship building. But not just now, but years down the road. Even, even if you're living that mobile life, you know, and you're going, you're, you're moving year to year, job place to job place through much of your 20s, um, even, even if you're, you have to relocate, that you have that posture of friendship. Well, why, why do I say that? Well, let, let's turn back, back to these Proverbs. You know, uh, for the, word, the word that is translated as friend here in Proverbs, you know, it's actually the same word for neighbor in Hebrew. Love your neighbors yourself, same word. I mean, we have that. Our friendship has that sort of a broad meaning, right? Do you think of yourself? Do you have a lot of friends or a few friends? Um, do you feel like your friends are true friends? Do you have a few really close friends? Do you have many acquaintances? Right? The, the, the word can have a very, very broad meaning uh, in our lives. And that, that, that's true. That's true here in Hebrew, but... Why, why are they translating it friend here in Proverbs 17, 17? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Or in, in uh, 1824, turn the page. 
there is a, a man, many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. But this is a bold claim. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Like, what, what, what are brothers for? You have brothers. What are brothers for? Wrestling. Wrestling, yeah. Most of the fighting. Yeah. Trusting in. Trusting in. Relatability. Okay, sounds good. Mentoring. They're the ones who are going to be there pretty much your whole life. Right, that is their job, right? In a like deep way across all cultures and times, right? They owe you a kidney. I have two brothers, two older brothers. They owe you a kidney, right? It's like when they did the first kidney transplant. How, who did they do it? They were experimenting, right? People probably going to kill both of you. They, they had twins. There was a man who needed a kidney. He had a twin brother. They said, that's our best bet. <laughs> Would you mind risking your life to save your brother and advance medical science, right? Who's gonna do that for you? Who's gonna do that for you if not your, your brother by blood, right? I would count on my brothers regardless of, and this is the real power of like family, it is, uh, it's almost independent of how they feel about me or I feel about them, right? Um, I mean, you know, I'm not making excuses for not having a good relationship with your siblings. But, you know, it's, it's, it's almost independent of that, right? There's, there's a, a deep sense of uh, uh, commitment to be trustworthy, to be faithful, to be committed, to be there in good times and in bad, right? Yet, here we have in Proverbs this promise, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and so that, and, and we know, we recognize this is true. Like, what is this, what is this friend described of? The, the friend who loves at all times. Well, let me talk about the, the qualities of a friend. And then, and then I'll close by talking about the power for friendship. So first, let me talk about the qualities of a friend. Uh, because because this, is, this is described, this is something uh, we intuitively understand and, and, and long for. Right? The friend who is closer to us than a sibling would be in our own flesh and blood. Well, so, so what are the qualities of the friend? Well, let me, let me start. Quality, qualities one. One, they have social skills. <laughs> one, they have social skills. So this is, you know, I love these verses in Proverbs 25. Right? Um, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he this fill you with hate. <laughs> right. um, have you ever overstayed your welcome? All right, so that's a social skill, right? <laughs> Don't go too often to your neighbor's house or your um, neighbor's dorm room. Unless <laughs> they hate you. Okay, there, there's one. There's a social skill. Verse 20, here's another social skill. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart. So someone who's sad, and you go in and you start singing happy songs. Right? Cheer up, you know. Okay, life is falling apart. Whatever. Um, is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. I, you know, just try, just try to visualize that. Your friend is sad and you're just being flippant. Like it's as if they're out there in the, in the cold and you just go off and tear their coat off and run away. Right? That's the, that's the emotional equivalent of what you're doing. Right? That's the emotional equivalent. So a friend has uh, uh, social skills. Um, you know, 26, 18, and 19, you've got to love these. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and that is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. 
What's your sense of humor? This is actually really significant for the quality of your friendships. Like, what is your sense of humor? Right? It's like if your sense of humor is, uh, I mean, sense of humor is a wonderful thing and it can make you a lot of friends. Um, you know, if you're the funny guy, it can almost inhibit it because people always want you to be funny. It would be hard for you because um, they're, they're always at it. They're, they're not happy when you're sad. Um, but if you have that sarcastic humor, you have that deceptive humor, that plain practical jokes humor, can go wrong fast. <laughs> can go wrong fast. So social skills, social skills, and uh, I think often we get stuck up just on that set of qualifications for friendship. We think just in terms of social skills, like do I have that? You know, am I, do I have like a natural? Ease. I did not have that uh, uh, for years and years in my life. That sense of like I'm good with people. I was convinced I was terrible with people, and that no one liked me. I remember, you know, my best friend from high school. I remember once I was sitting with him, and he said to me, he's like, you know, we were just sitting in his room. We hung out all the time. You know, this is how you know your friends with someone. You hang out with them all the time, and uh, uh, you know, and he just described us as friends. It was the first time in my life I think someone had described me as his friend. And it was weird for me. I mean, it was like in that moment, I knew it was, it was, he was accurate. I'm like, yeah, obviously we're friends, but I, I didn't have the emotional, I didn't have the emotional intelligence to enunciate that sort of thing. I didn't have that natural ease. You know, some people have. But when I came to Princeton, I discovered all these like Princetonians who had like skills. <laughs> they just walked around like they owned the world. <laughs> Right, they dressed well, and they did that. They like combed their hair the right way, and uh, and they had money, and, and but more than that, they knew they knew how to see the right thing. They had that smile, right? And I remember just being blown away by that. Like I'm in this I'm in this land of you know friendship giants, social skills. But we got hung up on that. We think, well, that's it. I mean, it's true, and there's a lot that can be said on that on a very practical level on what it means to make friends, right? You can't, you gotta be careful with your practical jokes, you gotta, you know, but what scripture is talking about isn't trying to give you techniques to make acquaintances. This is not, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't wanna give you uh, the ability to, to um, network. And networking is wonderful. I mean, one of the most valuable things that Princeton will give you is a network. My wife, you know, how did my wife get, you know, she's done many jobs, her first job, she was hired by a sorority sister. Her current job, uh, she was hired by a friend from math. She used to sit with and alongside and worship God with here in Murdoch in this very room, right? And he's a partner in the financial firm she works for. Now, right? I don't know. I'm not saying that you know networking is not it's not a great practical utility. But the scripture is not particularly interested in uh, networking. And networking, you can be the most popular person in the room, but not feel that you have anyone who is a friend who sticks closer to the brother. Now, often I think the trap we fall into with friendship is the trap of envy, right? If we feel friendless, if we feel feel ignored, and we look at others and we say, "Oh, if only, if only I, you know, if only I had like that, 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 you know, if if only I was her, if only I was him." then I would have friends. They look like they have friends. And trust me, when you're in ministry, you discover everyone feels that way. 
Right? Everyone's like, oh, I have so much envy for so-and-so. And then you talk to so-and-so, and so-and-so is like, oh, I feel alone. <laughs> no, how do you feel alone? You're like super popular. You know, it's hard to tell someone that straight out, even if it's true. You know, you're super popular. I mean, you can be as popular as can be. That does not make you not alone. It just means people are talking to you. It doesn't make you not alone. Right? It's not the same thing as a friend who sticks close to so, so the marks, the characters of a friend, sure, social skills, wisdom, deep wisdom, rooted in compassion and how we treat each other, and whether or not we sing loudly early in the morning, or whether we overstay our welcome, or all those sorts of things. But it goes deeper to this deep commitment, uh, two, two, two qualities, trustworthiness and truthfulness. So trustworthiness, you know, who is a friend who sticks close to the brother? Verse 1717, this is my favorite of all these verses, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Who is the friend who is going to love us as if they were their own kin? Right? That is a marker of, the, of a friend. When we look at our own lives or when we look at our friends, what is a marker? Someone who is with you through thick and thin. That, that trustworthiness, you know, it's something so much more uh, than just someone who listens to you vent. That Christina, my wife, you know, she describes this, um, you know, she's uh, in, in online forum communities among women. It's like so often the standard of friendship, the definition of friendship is you are here to affirm me in my venting. Hmm. Right? There's a place for that. I mean, it's like, to some degree, it's like what we look for in our friendships is people who are willing to uh, hear us out when we're not guarded. A little bit of that, a little bit, is okay. But a friend is not just there to hear you vent. That's not the kind of adversity that's spoken of. A friend is someone who is with you in thick and thin. All right? this, is, this is often how we discover problems in our friendship, is when adversity comes in. So one, trustworthiness, commitment. But the second is truthfulness. I'm looking forward to... Uh, Verse uh, 20, uh, chapter 27, verses 5 and 6, these famous verses. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You want a diagnostic. Is this person my friend? If they never in all your relationship with you. Now, if all they do is tell you what's wrong with you, they're not your friend. Okay? They're not your friend. But if they never, in their whole relationship with you, tell you that something you're doing is wrong, then you, they're not your friend. Right? Or you are not a friend to that other person. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 28, 23, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. This is the hardest part of biblical friendship in the modern day, is a friendship that is willing to tell the truth. Now, there's a whole, there's a whole subcategory of people who are like eager, I'm going to be a truth teller, and I'm just going to tell people what I think about them to their face in public. They stop that. Stop that. You know, don't do that. Um, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is not something you do in public. You, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna try to have that kind of conversation with your friend, you do that one on one. Right? You do that in the context of friendship. 
but it's become very, very difficult to wound your friend in the modern day. Right? An expectation of friendship is affirmation in modern Western society. It's affirmation, 20, absolute affirmation all the time. What you want to do, what you said, you know, is true. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. I mean, often I think we've reduced it culturally. It's like it's just your mom is allowed to tell you, like, what's wrong with your life, right? It's like we, we take it, we take it upon ourselves sometimes to stab, you know, it's like sometimes sometimes the mothers didn't get through to you. You know, when you were young, it's like you're out on retreat, and I remember this is years and years ago. This guy he's just peeling his orange on, peel onto the floor. I tell this story so many times. He's peeling his orange peel onto the floor, and I'm just watching him from across the room. It's like, what are you doing? You know, just picking that up, right? It's like you, if you're that man's friend, tell him to pick up his orange peel, right? Right? Because otherwise, he'll keep doing it. And he'll do it in, like, I don't know, a job interview and someone will hire him, you know, won't hire him, or he'll do it on a first date with someone, he won't get a second date. Like, you know, it's like, be his friend and tell him to pick up his orange Right? Those basic things, right? It's, you have that. So we, we like, save it up. We're like, we, we save up our, all, our, all of our friends' problems for their future romantic partner to discover. Right? <laughs> it's like, you're welcome. You, know, you alone, only in the context of romance, can you speak truth. Right? It all just comes spilling out at some point, a couple months into the relationship. You know? um, here are all your problems. So, you know, get, get, get a head start on that. Get a head start on that. But, so a friend, certainly a friend is, is rooted in compassionate tact, you know, has social graces, but a friend is trustworthy. It's committed to you both in good times and bad. And a friend speaks truth to you, truth rooted in compassion. I mean, think how difficult that is. How hard a job it is to be a true friend to someone. To be both deeply caring for them, yet at the same time willing, being the one in their lives, willing to tell them what they need to hear. Okay, well, let me... We talk about powerful friendship. Because you know when I, you describe friendship, and I, and I don't know for yourself if you if you have that. To some degree, friendship is discovered. To some degree, it's 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 probably you find someone who shares uh, those lines, especially these really particularly close friendships. I, 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 and it may just evoke in you longing, or it may evoke in you guilt. You know, you may look at it and be like, I'm not that friend. Or longing, like I don't have that. Well, that's okay. The Bible has more to say about friendship. I want to turn this as John 15. I didn't give it for the slides. So this is Jesus in his at the upper room discourse the night he was betrayed. He celebrated the Passover. Jesus is the part of he's giving part, you know commands to his disciples, the eleven. We're left with him. So this is John 15. I'm going to read verses 12 to 17. You just listen, uh, or you can look it up. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So what are What's Jesus saying here? Well, it's powerful friendship. Sorry about that. Powerful friendship. Where, where will you get, get this power? Because I think the, the biggest obstacle to friendship, you know, we can look at it and be like, I want to be a great friend, or I want to have great friends. But it requires a lot of activation energy. Right? It's a hill to climb. Sorry, is that too chemistry? <laughs> It's a hill to climb with graph, right? Activation. You've got to get over. And then you, then you get sparks. So it's hard to get over. Okay, I'm going to tell a story about activation. <laughs> you know, in, in high school, I was the chemist uh, at the uh, Renaissance Fair. <laughs> what do we call it? Alchemist. Alchemist. Right? And we were, we were trying to make a fireball. And uh, so we were using powdered sulfur powders and they, they combust and create a fireball. And they have a high, you know, so we kind of light it, they have activation energy, you can do it. And um, we kept adding combustible material, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were all, what is that, what, what burns hot and not magnesium? Magnesium burns hot and And so we got some magnesium, and, uh, and we, you know, we were leaning over, and there, you know, I lost all the hair on my arms. <laughs> People cheered, you know, I didn't get a lot of that as a, a renaissance for alchemist in high school, but you know, you can imagine. Um, not a lot of accolades, but people people cheered when I burned the hair off my arm. Um, right? It requires an effort. And how do we get up that hill? Right? It's like how do you build in? Like do you, do you give in advance of reciprocation? Friend and friendship implies reciprocation. Right? And so we, we usually don't come in, we usually don't enter into friendship from a position of like, I feel such a super abundance of deep love in my life that I can just give without expectation of return. Usually we approach friendship and like, I am needy, help serve me, <laughs> give me what I need. That's usually like what's actually going on behind, well, hopefully you have social skills that mask that. <laughs> right? But usually that's what's going on in our heart, right? You're like, please, please like me. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and we're, we're all doing that uh, independently. And the practical effect of that is to not get up the hill, right? Powdered sulfur in the powder tank just gets charred, and it doesn't turn into flame. Well, how, so where do we get power? Power to go up the hill? Well, this is we get it in Jesus, right? We're this Christian group. If you're a follower of Christ, you know the answer. We get it in Jesus. How? Greater love has no one than this: that someone lay down his life for his friends. What? what did, how did Jesus show his love for us? By laying his down. His life down on the cross to pay the price for sin. So that you and I can be reconciled to our Father in heaven. And be called not his servants or slaves, to translate the word, but rather friends. Friends. That's friendship. Not networking, not acquaintances, but friends. Jesus laid down his life for them. And they then in turn laid down his life for them. Right? They go out, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Don't repeat that to your friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Only Jesus gets to say that. Right? But what's that saying is if you follow in the path of Jesus, in the path of truth, 
a life marked by repentance and forgiveness, coming to an end to yourself, depending wholly on him for your salvation, turning your, your heart and worship towards your creator God, letting your life be directed by his word, what he's commanded in his word, then that gives you power to be a friend to others, power to be a friend, to climb that activation energy hill, to in truth come to friendship with a posture, to cultivate that gift in your life with a posture that uh, is uh, radiating grace, right? Well, what do we mean by the word grace? We mean God's free gift, its gracious gift of salvation, his free gift of salvation, right? We have that great free gift of salvation, and so we can radiate that out. What have I received, if not everything that I need? And so then, as we interact with others, we can interact not from that position of desperation or need, nor from indifference to them, but deep care for who they are as human beings made in God's image, who need love also, who need a friend who sticks closer than a brother, who need a friend who loves at all times. And so we can have that posture of friendship. A byproduct of that, I think, is a great superabundance of friendship in our lives. I was, you know, I was preaching a few weeks ago at church, uh, Old Presbyterian, and I was preaching on, uh, out of the Gospel of John not long before this passage, on the command to love one another. That's what Jesus says to his disciples, love one another. A man came up to me after church, he described uh, this professor known at Westminster Seminary years ago, the, the husband of my Hebrew, current Hebrew professor, actually. He, this man, he passed away years ago, passed away at a young age of cancer. But I've heard many accounts of him. I mean, I never met him. But this is what he said. He's like, he, he was always, you know, when this man who talked to me after church, you know, he went to, went, to, went to the man's funeral. And, you know, he would have said, like, he was one, I was one of the, he was one of the five people I was closest to in life. You know, being at his funeral, he realized there were probably a thousand people who felt that way. Because this man was always, in his conversations with people, was always, this was his classic phrase, which I've heard from multiple people, like, what is the cutting edge of Christ in your life? <laughs> that was his catchphrase, right? Catchphrase is wrong. You know, but that's what he was always, like, intentional with people. Right? Eye contact. What is Christ doing in your life now? And so his friendships multiplied because he was rooted in Christ. His friendships multiplied. He was able to give and build friendships superabundantly. I don't know if you feel you have that power in your life. But if you're a follower of Christ, you have that power in your life. If you feel right now great, uh, need worry about your friendships. I think when you look and you when you feel that jealousy, oh, if only I had, if only I was like him, or if only I was like her. What you can say is, I have Christ. When you when you look, and you say this friendship. I, I don't know what I'm getting out of this. You can say, well, but I don't know what I was giving Christ when He laid down His life for me. You can say, I don't I don't know what to do in this particular moment of adversity. I'm speechless. That's fine. Listening is a better skill than talking. You can say, well, I don't know what to do, but Christ knows what to do. And so there is power for friendship in the Christian faith. I want to, so 
Proverbs 1717, you know, when I was thinking about how to Proverbs what I would talk on, the reason I settled on friendship was Proverbs 1717. So next to this, I write the margins of my Bibles. Uh, some people think that's bad, but I recommend it. I have a wide margin Bible. This is my small Bible. I have a wide margin of my Bible. What I have written next to this verse three names. Right? A brother is born for adversity. I have three names written here. Of brothers who were with me in different times of adversity. Two of those men I met here on Princeton's campus, one in PCI, one down in Boyd Love Hall, which no longer exists. It's bulldozed it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best years of my life, and turned it to rubble. But you know, memories will always have Um And one is a man who I grew up with in church, he's passed on now. You know, one when I was uh, a Bad friends to my friends. I was depressed and checked out of all my friendships. He remained a friend to me. He's still a friend to me this day. One, you know, the older man, when I was, you know, self-isolated and alone, he reached out. And he got together with me for a meal. He had that intentionality. He went out of his way. One is a friend just lifelong. We're side by side in life. From our student days on down. No, he wasn't a Christian when I first knew him. He's a Christian now. Now, we're in different parts of the world. I mean, you know, different countries, and one, one of these has passed on, and there are other names I could write. And, I, you know, I, I want to challenge you. Like, God is calling you to be the kind of friend that would be written in a Bible one day, would stand side by side with someone in the day of person. And consider in your own life who might you write down. Proverbs 17, 17. It's okay if there's, I mean, you may feel embattled and alone, in which case I ask that you reach out. It's a good community. But in the course of your life, Lord willing, there will be many names worth remembering, worth writing down, and many others who God will call you to be a friend to. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And uh, I thank you for your word. And I thank you above all for the gift of Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior, as in, who indeed deigns to call us his friends. And so, Heavenly Father, help us to uh, give power, biblical power, uh, to that word as uh, redeemed people uh, who seek to be trustworthy, committed, faithful to one another in good times and bad, who seek to speak truth with care and compassion and wisdom. Heavenly Father, help us to bear well with one another. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be building uh, not merely skill and technique in our lives, uh, but relationship, not merely uh, acquaintances, uh, but depth of friendship. Help us, Heavenly Father, uh, to overflow with your grace towards others. That we might be able to be friends, even unilaterally, even when it can't be reciprocated. Uh, to pour love into others, that in time they might do the same. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.